Hello and welcome to PMI's Uncommon Sense podcast, tools to improve your work forever. I'm Susanna Clark, Managing Partner with PMI. Our Uncommon Sense podcast is a 15-minute conversation with our expert consultants. They talk a lot of common sense, although much of it is not common practice. And that's what this podcast is all about. We want you to be inspired to improve your business through learning more about the tools which can help you succeed and grow. Today, I'm joined by Davian Alvinson, and we're going to talk about PDSA and disconfirming evidence. So before we get into that, Damien, can you introduce yourself? Welcome, everyone. Uh, yeah, my name's Damien Alvinson. I'm a senior consultant with PMI. I've been with the business uh, 10 years this year. Pretty much my whole working career has been in and around business improvement. For anyone who's listening who's not familiar with PDSA, could you just give a brief introduction to that? Yeah, so I guess rather than just call it a tool, I'm not comfortable with that. It's more of a kind of a principle and a, a thinking model, as I often describe it. It's a model that actually describes the approach as to how we should think, especially when we're in the context of business improvement, when we're trying to describe what's causing a problem, which is what most business improvement techniques are trying to do, or people believe they found a solution to something, which is also of course, very common in business improvement. I mean, that's the whole thing. So uh, this model is central to, well, how should we approach that in a robust way mm-hmm. in an almost a scientific approach? So yeah, that's what PDSA is. Uh, Plan, do, study, act is what the uh, initial stands. And I always enjoy the note that it doesn't begin with plan. So even though we call it PDSA and it's plan, do, study, act, you don't start with plan. You start with study. Do you want to explain that? So it comes down to what the cycle is about. So the cycle is really asking us to do, of course, four things. It's saying, okay, formulate a hypothesis of something, right? Which would be in the back to the context of business improvement. This is, I have a theory on this that caused this issue, or I have a solution. Okay. So both of those could be described as hypotheses, right? They're, they're not true and they're not false until we've tested them, which is the next part that do. So we have to go and do some kind of experiments to find out with data and measures and making predictions. We then study those results and then we choose how we're going to act. So we're going to keep that theory, we're going to change it slightly, test it again, or we're going to reject it, get abandoned. So this idea of study being before we jump into hypotheses or theories says, well, how can you have a hypothesis on anything? If you haven't already studied it in some way, if you haven't looked at some data or experienced that process firsthand or something like, you know, so, so if I were to one day into your business and say, I know what can improve your profit margin straight away, you just need to do this, this, and this, uh, although some clients might expect me to do things like that as a, as a <laughs> consultant, I haven't experienced your business. I don't know what the variables and factors are in play that could affect those sorts of things. So. I could give you a theory, of course, can. anyone can create a theory, a hypothesis based on nothing. Chances of them being correct are less so if I haven't already done that initial groundwork. So that's why we say, certainly for the first iteration of PSA, how have you studied this situation? You know, what data do you have? What information do you have? They're going to lead to much better hypotheses, which is why we always say many project structures always, always involve the people who operate that process. Mm. For that exact reason, they have that daily 
probably years worth of experience of that process. They're going to give you some fantastic theories. When you say, well, I want to work PDSA and disconfirming evidence, that immediately seems like the, or surely we're looking for evidence. We're looking for evidence about the hypotheses, as you suggested, that these are good hypotheses, we should have a go at doing that. So here lies the kind of subtlety with this model that's, that's often not taught very well in my experience when I see uh, other people or even literature that describes this particular model. Um, I think over the years it's been, you know, shared and repopulated by so many people. Its originality has been somewhat diluted. And so, yeah, when you, when we're talking about the experimental part, we need to do some kind of tests to test our hypothesis, right? Is it reliable or not? It's the type of evidence we're looking for. And, and we're actually looking for, we call disconfirming evidence. So the way, the best way to think about it is if you come up with some hypothesis and you've made a prediction, what you're expecting is going to happen when we test it, you're the way in which you test it. And this is how I describe it to people. You're setting up an experiment in such a way that, that you're trying to disprove it. You're trying to destroy your own hypothesis. You try to find something that says, can I show that this doesn't work, that this isn't true? Uh, and if I fail to find that evidence, it means with the right test conditions, it means that this hypothesis probably is reliable in some way. We can use it um, and we can keep using it. And that's the subtlety, I think it's this side, because like you say, from certainly when I was in school and in lessons like science and so on, and if you watch TV about police dramas or crime or all this kind of stuff, you know, we're all, we kind of enveloped in this idea of looking for proof, got to find the evidence to show that something's true. We don't often hear it this way that says in a scientific based approach, what you're doing is actually the opposite. You're trying to show that it's not correct in some way for those listening know about science, of course, this is how science works. You know, that's why you have things like peer review before people are allowed to publish, you know, white papers on new yeah. facets of science. Mm. And there's that piece of almost, of course, it's blindingly obvious because if we're looking to, can we prove, if you like, that it doesn't work? If we didn't do that, we'd only be putting off the inevitable, wouldn't we? Because inevitably, if there is a failure opportunity within something, it's going to come up just after we've implemented it um, yeah. or at some point when it's really important in the future. So it's so much better actually to look at the opportunity for it to fail because you can then eliminate it early and just say, well, no, that's no good for us because we don't want something that fails. We want something that works. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you, you want to be finding these things out so you can kind of stamp them out and say, look, yeah, if we, I mean, this is the great thing about PDSA because it's a model for learning. The, the, this approach gives us the basis on which we can which we're going to learn. And there's even a saying that says, you know, if every hypothesis you ever had were to always be correct, then what have you actually learned? Yes. Because all you've really done is valid validated what you already knew. So it's yes. when we, it's when we disprove what we thought sounded perfectly plausible, that's when the real learning's happening because it says there's something wrong with our thinking. We believe that X causes Y. We've done an experiment and it says, no, it doesn't. That gets very interesting. This is where, you know, yeah. Uh, so, uh, that, that, so that's one of the things I like about PDSA is this, because I think without that, you've got this almost cultural thing about being right. You know, you're, you're the manager, Susanna, you know, yeah, something's gone wrong. You better damn well have the answer, right? I'm looking at you if I'm the bigger boss. Yeah. Right? Wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> <laughs> 
And of course, there's this almost like embarrassment. I think this is why people even look for truth. You know, mm. if they've tempted to describe what's caused some issue because there's this fear of being wrong. You know, we, we need to, I want to be seen to be correct all the time. You know, there's, even if that's a fear of what other people might think or even our, our own ego, you know, we don't like necessarily to be wrong about anything because it kind of, you know, we think in our heads we shouldn't know. Yeah, and there's also, but there is something intoxicating about feeling you've got a great idea. It does make you feel good to go, oh, that's exciting. And, and so therefore you, you really want that to be right. Yes. The idea. Of and you want people yeah, to yeah. adopt it and do it. Because yeah. that's, again, really enforces that good feeling we have that we've done something great. It is. And that's maybe what can get in the way sometimes. It's our own egos getting in the way of, they call it confirmation bias, don't they? It's that we're, we're so biasly one way on something that we even sometimes intentionally or sometimes unintentionally ignore data or information or facts that contravene that idea, you know, so mm. there's, a, there's a lot to talk about in this model. There's a lot of stuff that, and if you thought that it was as simple as plan to do something, do it, study it and just act and do the next thing. It's actually not quite that straightforward. There are some real nice subtleties with that, uh, with PSA. So I can imagine talking to somebody and whilst logically this sounds great, does it slow you down? Is there anything that would help people be more confident there is a way of getting good progress through this. I think you're right in that you can't PDSA everything. I don't I think practically in a business environment, you know, just wouldn't be wise to do that. I think you've got to pick and choose, you know, the moments when we're gonna use this. But one thing that can speed it up is sometimes you already have the disconfirming evidence. You don't even need to do a test. Sometimes you can look back at your recent history of stuff and see that certain hypotheses that have been put on the table are false because otherwise how could we have gotten these results we've had in the past you know if someone says oh oh yeah that the reason we've got all these problems is it's because of that new starter that joined last month well hang on a minute we had these problems prior to them joining so there's something wrong immediately with our hypothesis so sometimes we already have the numbers so that there's a, a tip for, for maybe speeding this up so look at the data that you've already got and see if you can see the, any trends in there that gives you some disconfirming evidence. Yeah, I've, 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 there's loads of examples I've got on that, but I, yeah, <laughs> I won't go on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we think that people don't look for disconfirming evidence, partly because they're not trained to. As you say, that's not something that we tend to come up through a standard education route and, you know, and maybe if you're a scientist, it's different, but if you're not a scientist, you may not have come across it. We know it feels great when we come up with a good idea and everyone goes, oh, wow, that's a fabulous idea. And we don't want to then pour cold water on that. I suppose the other side of that was actually, you know, if Damien, you come to me with a great idea, I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm pouring cold water on your idea by saying, well, you know, what disconfirming evidence do you have as well? So there's, there's a lot here going on from the social perspective too, isn't there? Yeah, indeed. Absolutely. And that's why I think when, when organizations, particularly leadership teams can pick up on this model and they can start using it with their people, that can completely change the dynamic and the culture in the organization because people stop talking about, you know, so-and-so should have all the answers, you know, and instead the conversation starts to become what theories have we tested? How can we test this theory that we've had? And maybe put a stop to these, what sometimes feel like endless discussions or debates on 
whether this thing's going to work or not. Okay. Instead of saying, how do we go and test it? How do we go and do a rapid test so we can get the learning out and have some confidence to start to do next? Because really, until it's tested, who can know? Who can possibly have all the answers? It logically doesn't make any sense. And the change as well, once you are testing, is you're not testing for proof you're, that it works. You're testing right. for proof that it doesn't work. Yeah, you're looking for something that says maybe we've got it wrong here. Yeah, mm. And if we have, we come back around, we, we reject that hypothesis or we adapt it. So which means we tweak it slightly, we test it again. And if we reject, we come back around to say, well, what other theories have we not yet tested? That There must be an explanation here somewhere. We just haven't found it yet. Yeah, That's what we need to be uh, focused on as opposed to, oh, no, it failed and, you know, get all miserable about it. Yeah. Uh, so a client I was working with recently who had a quality issue in their process. So this is a manufacturer-based example, but I think for those that are not in manufacturing, it's easy enough to, to, to get your heads around. It was a, a paint shop and uh, they had a defect in the painted items afterwards that they called nips, like little tiny, almost like imperfections in the paint, uh, which for them wasn't good enough for their standard. And uh, they had a theory that what was causing this was airborne contaminants in their factory that they worked in. So there was a, many of the processes in their factory which created dust, okay, where people were sanding things down or grinding things. And so that was their top theory. That's what was causing this issue. I tasked them then to say, well, how can we test that and look for disconfirming evidence to say it's not airborne contaminants that's causing this issue? And they came up with the answer. They said, well, why don't we come in early one day? before these other processes have even started doing anything and we'll paint some items. And if we still get nibs on them, then yeah. we haven't understood this correctly. So that's what they did. And these parts came out perfect. So that said that, that that theory they had about this airborne stuff, had it been wrong, we might have still seen nibs even in the early hours when there weren't other stuff going on. So that was their opportunity to say, can we disprove this? Mm. And I thought that was really quite a genius yes. of them to have come yeah. up with that way of testing it yeah so that's a, a i guess a real life application of this in terms of how you can use it mm. brilliant damon i feel like i could talk for hours on this subject i think it's really I interesting think we probably could yeah <laughs> thank you very much damon for your time today thank you so much for listening to us today you can find more episodes of our uncommon sense tools to improve your work forever in our knowledge hub on our website or, of course, your favourite podcast platform. And do subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode, where you'll find links to more content on this topic, which includes webinar recordings, toolbox guides, blogs and infographics, and our training page. You can always drop us a line on team at pmi.co.uk and arrange a time to have a call to talk about how these tools can help you in your organization. We'd really love to hear from you.